So I'd like to share with you some of the things that the American Institute for Pyramid Research is researching right now. Now in my garden, I've got a lot of different niches and uh, a lot of different things growing here. And you can see behind me right there that I've got a model of the Great Pyramid I put over my raspberry beds. Well, it just so happens there's a variety of things that we're researching right now. If you follow Robert Grant, Sacred Geometry Decoded, Ancient Architects, you know that there's tremendous discoveries being made in Giza and at the Great Pyramid. And so I'd like to show you a quick shotgun review of some of the things that we're looking at, and then you can uh, feed back to me about which things you'd like to see pursued more in depth or what other things you'd add to this list of important cutting edge things we're looking at. So stay tuned and uh, let us hear from you. Okay, so let's start with the muon scan technology on the Great Pyramid. Here I am in the office of Dr. El Damati, the Minister of Antiquities of Egypt, who commissioned this. And he showed me his phone. This is actually his phone here. I asked him if I could take a picture of it. So this is the results of the, the muon studies he commissioned. You can see there's a large void that three different teams said is there above the Grand Gallery in the King's Chamber Relieving Chambers. And then there's another void right inside the, uh, the original entrance to the Great Pyramid. So this is the way that the Scan Pyramids team visualized that inner chamber. They also suggested that there were other chevrons. Now this is you know, a fairly impressive look to the door as it exists now at the Great Pyramid. Those chevrons you know, look uh, quite imposing, but actually uh, it was suggested that there was a whole series of those chevrons. And so the original entrance to the Great Pyramid would have been much more elaborate than this, these industrial looking pictures that you always see of it. Now, I've been up there before and, and uh, with permission, and of course, there's just one door there, you think of. It's the door that enters into the descending passage. But actually, Ancient Pyramids has done a lot of great work to show that really Strabo and others talked about that upper where the chevron is being the actual initial entrance that went upward, and it goes to a chamber that's there. So that's that's interesting. So that's, that's something we're pursuing. Where does that go? Then let's think about the other void, the void that uh, is uh, up near the... Uh, the king's chamber. Now, normally, you know, you don't, you don't get Egyptologists too excited, but this listen to Mark Lehman. Which is like a very vague cloud for us right now, is another chamber with untold treasures. Now, Egyptologists have been resistant to uh, see an overall plan in Giza that was followed, but Sacred Geometry Decoded is in the midst of a series right now showing an incredible design layout that, that had to be there ahead of time. So the zero point for this layout is uh, at the northwest corner of Khafre's Valley Temple. And it's unbelievable, the alignments to the pyramids and to the, uh, uh, the solstices and the equinox. So when I saw that, I thought, wow, I've seen this other plan, though, and it doesn't seem like Giza could have two master plans. So I sent this that you're looking at right now to Sacred Geometry Decoded because this one, uh, unlike the one he showed, has the sphinx on the circle that connects those three pyramids. And so you can see, as I'm showing here, that uh, the sphinx is part of the three pyramids because it's right on the circle. And, and uh, Sacred Geometry Decoded didn't show that. So when I sent this to him, he overlaid the two plans, the one that I sent him and his, and he showed that, yes, it does go through the sphinx, but it goes through the sphinx's head to the zero point on the on the uh, the temple there, Khafre's temple, and then he finds that the Great Pyramid is laid out by a center line from the Khufu to Menkara over here to near the wall of the crow, that it's the exact dimensions of the Great 
pyramid laid out on the, you know, the, the Giza Plateau there. So I suggested to him, well, look, it looks like the king's chamber, relieving chambers are where the Osiris shaft is. That's where the star is there. And so I asked him to do check, check that out. And so he, he did. He did a special addendum to his series and showed that where that star is, you know, it comes to the top of the king's chamber, relieving chambers, when it's laid out that way. So it's, it's just incredible. Now, when you flip, the, flip it the other way, uh, you can see that that star points out the void that's near the king's chamber, relieving chamber, the one that I've showed you. And so uh, there's, there's the, uh, the chamber right there. And so again, that star is where the Osiris shaft is. And that's about where the, the scan pyramids say that the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the new chamber is. Here's an interesting thing. Okay, so you can see the pyramids of Giza here. There's uh, Khufu and then Khafre right below it. And it shows the, you've seen the, the, the uh, contour of the Giza Plateau there. Well, this was actually a study that was done looking at the contour before the pyramids were there. And it's incredible where Khufu was in Khafre, those were mountains beforehand. And so it's like nature, God, whatever, put those pyramids there before they were actually built by the Egyptians. The work of Robert Grant is amazing. And here you can see he's got the uh, geometry of the sacred Vesica Pisces on the right there. That's the basis of all sacred geometry. Uh, you know, the Vitruvian Man by Da Vinci and whatnot. And so you see the square root of two, square root of three, and all that kind of stuff. Well, what Robert Grant shows is that's the floor of the king's chamber. It has that Vesica Pisces. Here's another thing. So Robert Grant was doodling and he, he drew the, the chambers that we haven't seen yet, but that scan pyramids, you know, show us are there. And so he sent this to me. So I marked it up a little bit and uh, I suggested one or two corrections, but I said to him, is there 20 feet uh, between that, that, that new chamber and the other one? And I said that because here's a side view of the Grand Gallery. And uh, we're looking at it from top down to bottom. And you notice there was grooves there. And... Uh, so uh, right at the 14-foot mark, halfway up, there was a fault ceiling that was taken out. Well, I got to thinking, why couldn't the current ceiling also be a fault ceiling? So if you take that out, you know, how much would be there? And so I figured it'd be 12 royal cubits extra. That would be 20 feet, you know, 20.6 feet. And so that's why I suggested to Robert Grant, let's look and see, you know, if, if uh, that reaches up to the other, the other chamber. Now you can see that uh, Robert Grant and I are calling this new chamber that's been discovered by the void that Dr. Lehner said could have treasures in it. We're calling it the magnum opus. We have reason to believe something very tremendous will be there if it's ever discovered in our lifetime. Stay tuned for that. All right, here's the three Giza pyramids, uh, and you can see the plane of the ecliptic going through it. The ecliptic has the sun, the moon, the planets on it. So most school kids know that Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars uh, rotate around the sun, and they know the approximate you know, relative sizes of those. It's totally incredible that the three pyramids in Giza mimic those three pyramids. They have the same relationship to each other, both in terms of their magnitude, unbelievably, and the, the quote-unquote, the, uh, the path they take around the sun. Same thing inside the Great Pyramid. If you take that as the sun point, you got Mercury going through uh, the, the subterranean chamber, Venus going through the queen's chamber, Earth going through the king's chamber. Again, these follow the actual orbits of these planets. And then you've got Mars up at the top there. So I got to thinking, since the other planets go through uh, chambers, maybe Mars will go through where this, this new void chamber is. 
But when I actually plotted it out, it was plain that uh, Mars goes uh, to up above where that is. But then I got to thinking, well, just outside of Mars is the asteroid belt. And so when you plot that out in the Great Pyramid, that's where we've talked about in a couple previous posts about there being things up in that part of the pyramid. Some industrial, I think, the, uh, the water chamber and whatnot, but there might be some other chambers up there, some upper chakras. Interesting. Okay, and one other thing I've been studying here recently is the causeway that comes out of the east of Khufu's pyramid. Now, it's not as clear as this line shows here. It's, you know, it's, and as a matter of fact, it gets lost over the, uh, the escarpment there. And there's really not a lot of evidence that's been found that it actually runs in Nazlat el-Saman, but there are a lot of speculation that it, that it does. And so uh, if it does exist there, you can see the three Giza pyramids here and where their causeways go, and they all go to the Valley Temple. Dr. Lehner actually suggests that uh, if you draw a line through the three Valley Temples, it runs parallel with a line that, that touches the southeast corner of each one of the pyramids, called the Lehner Line. Interesting. Well, uh, I don't think that that is Khufu's Valley Temple. I think it's actually the Sphinx Temple. There was no priesthood for the Sphinx, in the Old Kingdom, and uh, it's not really directly across from the Sphinx. And I believe that that's Khufu's temple next to Capri's. And one of the reasons is because when we looked at that master plan of Giza, you can see that there's a, through the center of the pyramid and touching the southeast corner of, of uh, Khafri is uh, a circle touches there, and then a, a circle, a little wider circle touches the other corner. And if you draw a line from where the blue circle touches to the southeast corner of the Great Pyramid, it's parallel to the Khafri Causeway. So it seems to me to be an indication in the master plan that there's something in Khufu that's getting us to look down toward the Khafri Causeway. So here's a thought. His valley temple is down near the Sphinx. Well, right near my house is this lotus pond. Look at those beautiful round leaves, no indentations in them. And so the lotuses are heliotropic. They all face where the sun goes. It's interesting to watch them follow the sun through the sky. And then uh, at this time, they're, they're blooming right now. The miracle happens. They grow in dung, you know, smelly, stagnant water, and they're so beautiful. They're sacred in India and China. They symbolize what the Great Pyramid does, rebirth. So my friend Matt Sibson, the owner of the great channel Ancient Architects, in this uh, recent video talked about these uh, points on the Sphinx that seem so out of place, these oblong boxes. And then he began to sort of connect them. He thought just kind of by instinct, he saw that they created lines that pointed to incredible things all over the Giza complex. Well, I'll bet he'll be doing more on what I'm going to talk about today because I've sent him these links a while back about Art Ferrum. So uh, Art spoke at a venue I spoke at in Lombard, Illinois, the Gathering Lighthouse, and uh, here he is. I picked him up at the airport so he could speak here. And uh, he uh, is descended from Knights Templar, and that's in his blood, and he just learned to start connecting these lines. He's done it for years. So just listen to part of his, his live presentation here. Drawing lines. There's a lot of people. In fact, Larry here working on a uh, geoglyph for the, uh, for the Giza Pyramid. But I started checking out these geoglyphs to see if there was any pattern. And after a couple of years, I learned that they all had a protocol. So it, it meant that they were all put there. For so if you go to Art's website and uh, read his books, you see that these protocols he learned are really what the ancients did. They marked this planet 
with these monuments, geoglyphs he calls them, that were pointing places and leaving all kinds of what I think are interesting messages. Uh, I'm just going to touch the surface here, but one of the messages I think that they left is that uh, this, the, the pointers here leading showing America, the U.S. basically, and Central America as one area. I think originally it was in the plan that this would be a united uh, country of some kind. Okay, and then uh, then it became obvious that there was going to be two separate, you know, countries, so Mexico and the Central American countries. And so the, these glyphs, all these lines are made by glyphs. And then this one shows, connecting all these glyphs again, following the pointers, shows that the Spanish-speaking and English-speaking country were meant at one time to be a union. So, you know, I, there's a lot there. Okay, so here uh, Art Farm shows that there's a, uh, in the Nazca lines, there's a star. Well, guess what? I found the same shaped star at the end of the 225 radio off the Great Pyramid. This is not Nazca. Now, this is what I just outlined. If you look closely, that star I outlined is in that picture. Again, what you see here, if you look back at that, you'll see that there. So you follow the radio, again, this idea of pointers, Go through Khufu, it goes through Khafre, and then just take that great circle, you know, all the way around the world, and it's going to end up in Brazil. You can see where it comes in there. That's the 225 radial off the Great Pyramid following the diagonal. So it goes to a place called Puerto Coig. And uh, Art reminded me of that when I corresponded with him. I couldn't remember the name of the place. There it was. Incredible what's there. There's Nazca lines at the end of the 225 radial off the Great Pyramid. These things are amazing. So again, where that Nazca-like line came to in Brazil was by following this diagonal. So there are pointers all over the place that reveal incredible things. Uh, here's the Farm Foundation website, Art Farm's uh, research uh, website. Follow it. In 2000-2001, I ran an international school in the Dominican Republic. And Heuri, the Dominican on the right of this picture, lived with my family during that time. And my good friend Michael, his family moved down there with us to see what good we could do in that country. So we were back just a little while ago, and my wife and I wanted to buy Heuri a house, a better house for him and his wife. And of course, there's boundaries all over when you look at properties. You know, there's a stake, there's a fence, whatever. Well, Art Farm, who we've talked about, Farm Foundation, who uh, has got Knights Templar blood in him, has studied different, you know, monuments and the lines that they create, geoglyphs, all around the world. And so we just looked at Giza there, and I showed you this uh, stone on the north side of the Great Pyramid that's a pointer. Mad Sibson got into the pointers on the Sphinx and did a, a recent YouTube video that's very good about looking at, like, these lines that end in the, the temple of Khufu. So there are protocols, our farm says, as to when you start using these lines that are made by glyphs, like the line, two of the lines on the pointers point to the sunrise at the vernal equinox there. So uh, Nazca lines, these lines that I found down in Argentina in Patagonia, these have been anciently placed. So let's listen to our talk about the protocols that you can use here. I didn't tell you the, the, the protocols for stopping the lines. You can stop them at a at the end end of they're ge, they're important geographical points on the earth that you stop these things. Stop them at the end of a peninsula. Stop them at the end of an island. 
stop them at a geoglyph, stop them at a major mountain in a range. If you got ten mountains, the highest one might be the one. And several other ones that if you get on our website, it'll explain. So Matt Sibson, when he looked at the Sphinx and saw these pointers, he began to sort of develop these protocols from scratch by instinct, not knowing the protocols already existed. This is a science that we need to learn. I next drew a line from the large southern masonry box through the position where the missing masonry box should be and the line ended up at the northeastern corner of the Great Pyramid. So what next? Well it gets even more interesting. Draw a line through the three boxes on the northern side and it lines up with the northeastern corner of the Khafre Pyramid. Then draw a line through the two southern boxes and you reach the southeastern corner of the same pyramid. This surely can't be a coincidence. So it's not by chance. Anciently, the ancients put in geoglyphs that pointed to boundaries. I showed one here that led to Patagonia and some Nazca lines. Inspiration Peak leads to some incredible geoglyph lines that show that the territory of North America and Central America, it appears to be, were meant to be one. They were setting their claim for that land. And of course, Cortez invaded Mexico and Montezuma could have you know, killed him. He didn't. And so, you know, we have two different countries. Spain moved into, you know, Central America and English in the north. So there, but initially it was meant to be one. That's what these borders show. So when Mad Simpson showed the lines on the Sphinx, he showed the pointers that went to Khufu and Khafre. But I got to thinking, I'm sure that there's lines that will go to Menkara. He just hasn't seen them yet. And so uh, I was given the job of, you know, doing a uh, uh, project with the grandkids. So I thought, okay, I'll make a, a model of, of Giza and, and did it to scale. So I got a, you know, a scale map of Giza. I plotted it onto a notebook. And then from the notebook, I taped a bunch of uh, pieces of paper together. And I, uh, I made a ruler because didn't have a ruler in the house. So I've got a two inch ruler in my wallet. So I made a bigger ruler from a board that we found. And so uh, from the scale model I made from the scale model, uh, I was able to then plot out relatively, you know, exactly by scale, and given the tolerances of all that I just told you, to make, uh, because, you know, Mad Simpson had said an ancient architects, he couldn't find a good picture of the Giza Plateau. He says, you know, Google Earth and Google Maps don't seem to do too good, so he just used a high-resolution satellite photo. Well, in the meantime, I told him I'd write Mark Lehner because when I was in Lehner's house last time, he said that they were maybe going to put out another, you know, map from the Giza ma mapping project that would be nice to have an accurate map of this part of the world in Giza. So anyways, uh, I put together this, uh, uh, you know, model. And then after I put the lines in of where the pyramids were and where the Sphinx was, then I let the kids color it. I said, you know, this is sand, this is the village and whatnot. But I was able to ascertain that they're yeah, probably... Is the Sphinx to. pointing to not just Khufu and Khafre, but also Menkara? So saying that there is a singular purpose and meaning for the Giza Plateau, and we're, we're uh, coming up with this because of pointers. These pointers that are around the world. Okay, so we're just touching the surface on this, but I want you to know this is something that I'm working on because I think that there are great revelations that are meant for us, and if we don't study these pointers, how can we expect to find what the ancients wanted us to? Stay tuned.